Thank you very much. There's a very distraught child as they walk back, and I ripped off their toque. So if that's your kid, I just ruined his or her Christmas. So that's uh, my hair. I've got toque head now. Um, Welcome here. I want to welcome you. I know you have been welcomed already. I know you've walked in here and been welcomed, but let me do it one more time. My name is Norm, and I'm one of the pastors here, and it is great to have you here with us. It's, in fact, our great joy and privilege and honor uh, just in the very fact that you chose to celebrate Christmas, Christmas Eve specifically with us, especially if you're a guest, you've been invited by someone, you've come with a family member, you've never been here before, perhaps you saw a sign outside or maybe you got an invitation in the mail over the last number of weeks, whatever, whatever the case may be, the fact that you're here one more time is a great joy for us. So thank you for making this a part of your Christmas season. Um, we're going to give you some information on this ministry on the back end, some little tidbits to let you know what we're all about and how you can find information and all of that. So I'm going to leave that for the back end, and let's just redirect our hearts and our minds as we go into the Word and spend some time in it today by praying together. So would you join me in prayer? Our Heavenly Father, we come together tonight in recognition of that which is greatest was given. That which is most precious was sent. That which is divine came. We come together praising you for the sending of your son Jesus, sent in love to the world. And therefore we come together tonight in awe and wonder, in the awe and wonder of such a precious gift the epitome and the embodiment of the good and perfect gifts that come from you, the Father of lights. We come together tonight in joy and thanksgiving too, in the joy and thanksgiving of knowing that you, Father, not only saw and heard our cries, but you came to save us by way of Jesus. We also come together tonight in repentance and confession Repentance and confession of our hearts and our minds that are so readily and easily turned towards lesser and emptier things. Prone to wander, Lord, we feel it. And Father, we come together tonight in longing and hopeful expectation. Longing and hopeful expectation, for we know that the Christ who came once is coming again. In fact, the certainty of his second coming is founded in the reality of his first coming again with trumpet sounds and knees bowed and tongues confessing that Jesus is the Lord to your glory, Father. And finally, Father, we come together tonight with an ask and a petition. An ask and a petition that those who don't know you come to know you by way of your son, Jesus. That in the same way Jesus entered the dark 2,000 years ago, that he would shine in dark places again tonight. Father, let there be light, we plead. I pray for all of these things, Father, boldly and humbly because of and in the beautiful name of your Son and our King and our Savior and our Lord and our Messiah, Jesus the Christ. Amen. What's in a name? That question, really it's a, 
a popular saying comes out of William Shakespeare's Romeo and Juliet. Uh, We use it today more in connection with the idea that the name should not be all important as long as the essence of the thing is solid. And so we will be very willing, we are very willing to uh, buy things that are less than uh, sort of the off-market stuff uh, if it's as good an essence, good, good as uh, the name brand is. I mean, what's in a name? That's not to suggest that names are altogether unimportant. Names are of great importance. Uh, We identify ourselves by our names. I mean, if you're a parent here, you can probably remember that tension and angst and anxiety that was coupled with you having to name your child. You wanted to have a good name, a telling name, a name that identified them as unique. And you tried to come up probably with a unique name, but we're soon disappointed, especially on the first day of preschool when you've discovered that that unique name that you chose for your kid was chosen by other seven unique kids' parents as well. I mean, seven bull regards in one preschool class, kind of disappointing. But we give ourselves to naming. Naming is important. If you want a unique name, by the way, Norman is a very unique name. Very unique. Nobody calls their kids Norman. If you're a Norman here today, welcome. But nobody calls their kids Norman, and I get it. I mean, because of the way Hollywood portrays Norms and Normans, who would want to, I mean, Norm is either the nerd, right, or the fat guy at the end of the bar drinking beer, right? And just save your jokes, all right? It's Christmas. Save your jokes. But names are important. Um, If you have a pet, you probably sweated over the naming of your pet. Uh, the best name I ever heard for a pet was given by my good friend uh, for his dog. He called his dog D-O-G, as in D-O-G, dog, D-O-G. Here, D-O-G, here, D-O-G. If he had a cat, it'd be C-A-T, right? Thought it's a great name for a dog. You can take it, you can use it. I think D-O-G's great. Most names come with a meaning, as I've shared before, if you're a part of Westside. The name Norman, to get back to that name again, is a name that has a Viking origin. It means one from the north, but there's a connection to it that has the idea of being strong and blonde, which makes total sense, right? (laughs) The name and the essence being one and the same. We just came through an Exodus series where we learned that Moses means brought out of. He was brought out of the water and he led later the Israelites out of water too. In relationship to Christmas specifically, there are some names that are familiar and attached to it. The the name Mary springs to mind. The name Mary, what does the name Mary mean? The name Mary means bitter has the idea as well of being of the sea. Uh, Mary is, I discovered this week, is the fifth most popular name of all time in North America. But there's also the name Joseph. Joseph is the eighth all-time most popular name in North America, and it's a name that means God will increase. Gabriel, the angel that is most often associated with that first Christmas, the angel Gabriel, he's down the list at 221, but his name means God is my strength. And then there are the names of the one who we celebrate the birth of on Christmas. 
I say names because in Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 to 25, the text that was just read, we read two names that are given in connection to the one who was born. Two names that tell us what he came to do and who it was that came to do it. Let me explain a little bit further by reading one more time verses 18 and 19 where we meet up with one of the most unsung of all individuals in the Bible, a man named Joseph. Let me read verses 18 and 19. You can read it on the screen behind me. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, there he is, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. Let me just stop there. First of all, betrothal. Uh, betrothal or betrothed is something that we don't really talk about much today, may not have an understanding of what it means. It wasn't marriage, but not entirely like engagement either. It was sort of the middle ground of sorts. It included the commitments and the obligations of marriage without the conjugal rights, visitation rights, so to speak. A betrothal required a divorce to break it off. And we read about a divorce in verse 19. It was actually required to end it. And that's the context of the dilemma that we drop in on when we come to Matthew 1, verses 18 and 19. Joseph was betrothed to Mary, but had not yet known Mary in the biblical sense, in the sexual sense, and yet she was pregnant. That's the context of the dilemma that we get here and we drop in on. Joseph was betrothed to her, but he did not know her. So what did Joseph decide to do? Well, his decision was a reluctant and a quiet divorce. Joseph was a just man. We read it here. He's an honorable man. He was a man of valor. And he had decided not to shame Mary. He didn't want to shame her. I think this points to the character of Mary as well. So he decided to divorce her quietly, even though the society in which he lived, the culture around him would have understood if he wanted to shame her. But he decided again, for a reluctant and quiet divorce. God's solution instead, fearless obedience. Fearless obedience. Let me show you what I mean by reading the next portion of the text. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save, he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. There's the second name which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. So what do we have in this text? We have the angel confirming Mary's story to Joseph. Why do I say it's Mary's story to Joseph? It's not recorded here in Matthew's gospel, but in Luke's account, we read of Mary's statement there and what was revealed to her. And so we have this angel confirming Mary's story to Joseph and tells him that he is going to have a son and that that son that he's about to have is to have two names. 
He's to have the name Jesus, and he's to have the name Emmanuel. Why two? Well, for the name Jesus addresses what he came to do, and the name Emmanuel addresses who it was that came to do it. Jesus is the name of purpose. Emmanuel is the name of identity. Let's take them one at a time. You shall call his name Jesus. This is the name of purpose. Some background on the name of Jesus. One of the things that you may find interesting to note is the name Jesus was extremely popular at the time. Many children, many sons were called Jesus, most often in connection with a man named Joshua, a big player in the history of the nation of Israel. Joshua, or Hebrew name Yeshua, was the individual who took the nation of Israel from out of the wilderness into the promised land. Jesus is the Greek form of that Hebrew name Yeshua. And it's in that naming of Jesus that some things stand out, most specifically that Jesus came to usher in a new exodus. What Joshua is most connected to in Jewish history, leading the people into the promised land of Canaan, now in the fullness of time, Jesus, the better Joshua, had come to lead the nations of the world into the better and eternal promised land. The meaning of the name Jesus, popular name Jesus, is actually defined in the second half of verse 21, where we read there, you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. That's what the name Jesus means, salvation. God save us, God is savior. There are many names whose meanings don't fit their namesake, not so with Jesus. Joseph and Mary were to name their son Jesus rightfully, for he will save his people from their sins. But let's take a couple of moments to dig a little deeper in that and ask, how and to what degree does Jesus save us from our sins? Well, Jesus saves us from the guilt of sin by becoming guilty for us. He became the guilty one and he offered his blood as the penance for our sins. So he saves us from the guilt of our sins. Jesus also saves us from the power of sin by dying in our place and raising from the dead. Jesus destroyed the power of death by rising from it. Jesus also saves us from the consequence of sin by taking the punishment of sin for us. And lastly, Jesus will one day save us from the presence of sin when we see him face to face. The Apostle Paul writing to his young cohort, a man named Timothy, wraps all of this up when he writes in 2 Timothy chapter 1, for God saved us and he called us to live a holy life. He did this because, not because we deserved it, but because that was his plan from before the beginning of time to show us his grace through Christ Jesus. And now he has made all of this plain to us by appearing, by the appearing of Christ Jesus, our Savior. He broke the power of death and illuminated the way to life and immortality through the good news. So that was the first name that was given to the son that came. He was given the name Jesus, but that's not the only name given to our Savior. A second name was given, and here's what you need to hear me uh, say in connection with this second name. It was necessarily given. It was necessarily given for the meaning of the first name, Jesus, is only achievable by the reality of the second. 
They shall call his name Emmanuel. This speaks of his identity. Emmanuel is defined in verse 23 for us as well. It's a name that means God with us. But more importantly, in connection with Jesus, it's the name of Jesus that describes his very nature. God with us. It's the name that declares the one who has come is God himself. And that's why this second name is necessary. For to save people from their sins demands that Jesus be Emmanuel too. You see, all sins committed against a holy and perfect God could and only can be remedied by a holy and perfect sacrifice. That sacrifice, the God-man Jesus Christ. Jesus had to be God and God had to be Jesus. Lots of Jesuses, but only one who is Emmanuel. Now, if you're not quite convinced of that, and since we're talking about names of Jesus, let me give you a few more that may push you over the edge into belief. Jesus has many names and titles used in connection to him. Jesus is referred to as the chief cornerstone supreme over all creation. He is the head of the church. He is the holy one. He is the almighty one. He is the anointed one. He's judge. He's king. He's king of the ages. He's king of the Jews. He's king of the saints. He's the king of kings. He's the true vine. He's the true light. He's the light of the world. He's the prince of peace. He's the glory of God. He's the grace of God. He's the image of God. He's the beloved son. He's the son of the highest. He's the son of God. He's the son of man. He's the man of sorrows. He's the word. He's the word of God. He's the word of life. He's the word made flesh. He's the alpha and the omega. He's the first and the last. He's the I am. He's the amen. He is the lamb of God. He is the lion of Judah. He's the Lord. He's the Lord of glory. He's the Lord of lords. He's the Lord of all. He's the author and perfecter. He's the bread of life. He's the water of life. He's the resurrection and the life. He's the way, the truth, and the life. He's the bridegroom. He's the morning star. He's the rose of Sharon. He's the creator of all things. He's the heir of all things. He's the sustainer of all things. He's the center of all things. He's the good shepherd. He's the chief shepherd. He's the high priest. He's the mediator. He's the redeemer. He's the deliverer. He's the door. He's the rock. He's the rock of ages. He's the faithful witness. He's the Messiah. He's the Christ. He's the true God. He's the mighty God. He's God with us. He's Emmanuel. He's Savior. He's friend. He's brother. His name is Jesus. And he came to us. To us a son is given. Wrapped up in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger to save us from our sins. Do you know him in that way? Not just as a baby. Do you know him as Savior? Do you know him in that way? Two reminders to carry you forward on this Christmas Eve. The first reminder, God coming in flesh reminds us of a God who understands our human dilemma. He's not just a God who sees, he's a God who came. 
And furthermore, what the writer of Hebrews tells us is that he sympathizes with us. Notice what it says on the screen behind me. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence. Why with confidence? Because he sympathizes with us. Let us with confidence draw near to the throne of grace. That's another reason why we can go with confidence because the throne that Jesus sits on is a throne of grace. That we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. I want to leave you with that reminder. I want to leave you with a second reminder as well and that is God coming in flesh reminds us that we have the perfect mediator. The perfect mediator. Paul, the writer again, writing to Timothy, writes, there is one God, and there, there is one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus. Jesus sent by God to bring us to God. God to us, us to God, the work of Jesus. What's in a name? Much. When it comes to our God and Savior, Jesus Christ, much in a name. I may not be strong or blonde, but Jesus is certainly both God and Savior. Amen? Amen. Merry Christmas, Westside.